0: The talk this evening is on Seeking the Sacred. There are moments in our lives when we encounter something of such remarkable beauty and preciousness that it has actually the power to wake us up. It can be something very intricate, it can be something very simple it may be a painting, it may be an arrangement of flowers, it might be listening to the laugh of a child. There are other moments in our lives when we feel such a profound sense of stillness and openness inwardly that our capacity to receive the world around us and the world within us has the same effect of bringing a great sense of silence and appreciation and a sense of awe. And in those moments which make such a deep impression upon us, those moments of great silence and openness, we sometimes find ourselves wondering what it is that makes a painter paint to attempt to capture something of such remarkable beauty on a piece of canvas, or so what it is that makes a dancer dance to be able to encapture in movement a story or a song. We may find ourselves wondering what it is that inspires a single person to dedicate their whole lives to sur- serving the poorest of the poor and the sickest of the sick? What is it that makes another person dedicate their whole lives to a life of great simplicity and contemplation? And in different times and in different places and in so many different ways, we see that people respond to an inner call a yearning for attunement, a yearning for oneness, that in different times and ways people seek to make visible the underlying harmony and grace that they sense in life, and seek to make visible their own attunement with that which is sacred through expression, through service, through vocation, Through creativity, reverence is given to the sacred. It's a quest for a way of being and a way of living, which bears no marks of separation or of division or of conflict. That call is really no different Then the call that inspires so many of the choices and the directions we make in our own lives. We find ourselves searching for happiness because we sense that there is such a thing as a deep and abiding happiness. We find ourselves searching for love because we sense the potential to heal and to bring oneness that love holds. We search for meaning and for creativity in our work and in our relationships because we sense how important it is to be connected with the heart of life, with a deep sense of vitality, the coal that has magnetized mystics throughout time. It's the same call we respond to that leads us to search inwardly and outwardly for that sense of depth and oneness that leads us to look for a way of being in this world and a way of seeing this world and a way of seeing ourselves, which is free from separation and division, the divisions and the differences that are often only what is apparent to our senses and to our minds. That search that we find ourselves following in our own lives is inspired by different sources. Sometimes we are simply tired and disillusioned with a life of temporary pleasures and sometimes longer-lasting pain. Sometimes we sometimes just lose interest in the baubles and the trophies of success and possessions and gratification because our own experience tells us how very short-lived that gratification is, how very superficial security and pleasure can be There are moments when our search is inspired by timeless moments we have experienced in our own lives. Moments of great stillness, moments of great attunement, moments of deep sensitivity. None of these are strangers to us. We have all had glimpses of oneness. We all intuitively sense the perception of suchness and truth that is possible for us. Those glimpses have come in many different times and places in our lives, in nature, with other people, in aloneness. And they move us deeply, and they inspire us to look for and to seek for an abiding perception, an abiding connection with that which is sacred. Because we see that it is in that understanding of oneness, that we are going to truly see the end of separation. Our search is also inspired by the examples of other people, teachers and ordinary people, powerful people and very simple people that we see have transformed and touch the world around them through the power of their own vocation and through their own commitment to a quality of love which is beyond all the superficial differences. Their examples really encourage us to reach beyond the boundaries of our own personal Mm worlds, to reach beyond the boundaries of the individual individuality we perceive. And their examples inspire us to reach for greatness. Not for material greatness, but for greatness of heart and for vast, vastness of being. These different people, these different experiences, offer us some very profound messages. They tell us that there is more to living than just the pursuit of individuality, that there is more to living than just the perception of separation and division and all the struggles that are born of that. These messages tell us that there is more to ourselves than just our capacity to strive for security and for safety and for comfort. And our own task in our lives, our own spiritual task, is to be able to listen closely to these messages, to understand our own possibility, to see with depth. Our own challenge is really to free ourselves of our own beliefs and separations, and to respond to our own potential, our own possibility of seeing the sacred everywhere and in everything, because when, it is, when we can see the sacred in everything, it is then that we leave behind us a world of struggle and conflict and discover the richness of love and of reverence and of harmony. It's not an easy search, this search we make. It is never easy, and I don't in any way want to minimize the difficulties and the frustrations that we find. But it's so important to understand that the difficulties we encounter in our own search are not separate from that which is sacred. They are our challenge. A part of greatness of heart, a large part of greatness of heart, begins when we're willing to learn from the obstacles that we meet. Non-separation begins in that moment when we don't separate that which is sacred from that which is also difficult at times. The choice between despair and response is one that we are going to meet again and again in our lives. It is one that we must understand so that we don't follow the path of despair and the path of passivity, and the path of simply feeling overwhelmed. We make mistakes. Each one of us makes mistakes and falters as we search in our lives for happiness and for love and for that which is sacred. If we know how to respond truly to those mistakes, we learn from them, and we don't have to repeat them. We all encounter, at times, disappointment and frustration because we don't always find the rapport and the love and the peace we seek for in the places that we seek it. But That doesn't deny the reality of peace. It doesn't deny the power or the reality of love. It simply reminds us to keep asking, to keep questioning and to keep looking If we are not able to respond, if we choose the path of despair and are unable to respond totally with openness and with learning to our obstacles and our mistakes, it is so easy for us to become bitter and cynical. And the greatest tragedy in our lives is when cynicism or bitterness becomes our companion. We find ourselves seeking for love in the places where it seems to be offered, through relationships with other people. And we come to understand that love is a feeling that appears to be so fickle, that it changes, that ours change, what we receive changes. And there are times when we do find ourselves feeling hurt and rejected. If we choose despair rather than response, Then we come to see love as some sort of fantasy, or simply as a grasping for security. We seek for happiness, admittedly in ways that are often misguided. And so what we experience is a very short-lived happiness that is often so often just tied to objects, and tied to having, and tied to getting. If we choose to spare in the ending of that happiness we experience, We decide that there's really no such thing as a lasting happiness. And then in that despair, find ourselves settling for something which is much less just a temporary gratification or satisfaction. We come to spirituality because of a yearning for freedom and a yearning for conflict. And many times we find ourselves disappointed We might feel let down by the teachers we practice with that they don't conform to the models of perfection we seek. We might find ourselves feeling disappointed with ourselves that we are unable to travel this path fully and wisely. So many people begin in meditation with a real inner yearning for awakening and a real sense of possibility that liberation and freedom is going to be accessible for them. They practice a while, they feel disappointed because their experiences are not met, or their expectations aren't fulfilled immediately, and decide that they are simply not good enough, that they don't have the right karma, that they don't have actually what it takes to be enlightened, And then just simply become resigned to perceiving a world of differences and become resigned to accepting that limitation is perhaps their reality, not necessarily giving up practice, but the motivation changes, often just often one of wanting to become a better person a more spiritual person, or a nicer person, or just seeking for a greater sense of ease in their lives. It's not that this is not a good enough motivation for meditation. Certainly we might undertake our meditation with the motivation to bring a greater ease and clarity into our lives, and it's fine. And our experience of the practice will offer us a greater sensitivity, a greater understanding, and a greater care we will find through our sensitivity that our sense of silence also deepens, and also our quality of receptivity. There's the very deepening of silence and of receptivity that inspires us again to understand that it is possible to see the sacred in each moment, in each contact, and in everything, Our greatest obstacle in that connection with the sacred is really looking for it in places where it cannot be found. We look at the world, and when we look at the world around us, we are sometimes appalled and shocked, and we see how much our world just seems to be made up of differences, of division, of exploitation, and of pain. And sometimes we just see the sheer tackiness (laughs) of the world around us. And we look at that and we see, what we often see is just separation. That this world just seems to be made up of this sea of different people and different objects all drifting around in their own orbits, sometimes drifting together, more often than not colliding. And we conclude... There's not very much that is sacred in the world. Not very much that is worth having any sense of reverence for. We look within ourselves and easily reach the same conclusions. We look within ourselves and our meditation. Often, what we find hardly fits in with our ideas of what is sacred. We see judgments, we see pettiness, we see the harshness of our thoughts. At times, the superficiality. Sometimes we see, really, how little silence or how little harmony there is. And again, we conclude that there's not a great deal that is sacred here. And not a great deal that is worth having any real sense of reverence for. And when we see that, the conclusion that we draw is often one that this, that which is sacred must lie somewhere else in some other time, or some other place, or some other dimension, or that the sacred is going to be seen as a result of a particular experience, or attainment, or a revelation, that we are going to have some great insight, which opens us up to some other dimension that is separate from this one, in which we, s- we finally experience the sacred, That conclusion says to us that that which is sacred, which is is separate from now, we conclude that it must be separate from this moment. As soon as we do that, we form a particular kind of relationship with this moment that we're in and with ourselves. As soon as we begin or conclude that the sacred lies somewhere else, Our relationship to this moment is so often one of disconnection, one of withdrawal, and one of rejection. So often what we do is we begin to view and to see this moment, to see the present with some contempt, that we see a world of imperfection and judge it. And then, on the basis of our conclusions, we end up striving for experiences and for attainments, for revelations as we reject the moment that we're in and as we reject the world. And this is the greatest failure of spirituality and one which has a long history, this separation. It's a separation that enables us to reach for the heavens with one hand as we destroy the world with the other. It's the same separation that allows us to reach for spiritual perfection with one part of ourselves as we perpetuate fragmentation and resistance and rejection with another part. It is important that we understand and see that fragmentation and that conflict are the children of separation wherever it is whether it is separation made between one group and another, one person and another, one gender and another, that conflict and fragmentation are the inevitable offspring of separation. Prejudice and judgment and violence are the offspring of separation, and as long as we engage in separation anywhere in our lives, We offend our own integrity, and it is a great disservice to ourselves and to the spirit of oneness and the understanding of connectedness that is possible to us. Because as long as we engage in separation in any form, we exile ourselves from that which is sacred. And reverence and integrity and impeccability in our lives simply can't coexist with the vision of separation. If the sacred, if that which is sacred, doesn't belong to some special place or some special experience, then where do we find it? If the sacred is not going to be experienced in some other time or some other dimension, then where is it that we begin to look? Where is there to go but where we are? Where is there to seek for it? But in that which is right before us, that is now and that is here. It's not even right to say, we'll we'll look inwardly for the sacred, because that implies that the sacred is somehow some kind of inner possession that is still separate from everything else. If we are able, even for a moment, to set aside our prejudices, our separations, the divisions we accept. If, we, if it's possible, even for, us, for a moment, for us to sense and accept that the sacred has to be in everything and everywhere. If we can recognize that the divisions Between the inner and the outer, between us and them, are creations of the mind. They are constructions of the mind. If we can understand that even for a moment, we begin to see that suchness and the sacred is going to be revealed to us in this moment. But what we need to do is simply to open our eyes to what is already here. If we believe in separation, then we will live by the rules of separation. We will engage in prejudice. We will engage in rejection. We will engage in judgment. We will also engage in competitiveness and the misuse of power in gaining and also experiencing loss. To live by the rules of separation is to emphasize what divides and deepen those divisions through our own judgments. The effects are so obvious. The effects are disconnection, and the effects are conflict between I and you, between us and them, between allies and enemies, between the inner and the outer. To truly, deeply seek that which is sacred in our lives, we need to be willing to set aside these rules of separation and division, to see their emptiness, we need to be willing to go beyond despair. We need to be willing and to see how important it is to have a passion for that which is sacred above all else. And having a passion for the sacred doesn't require us to make grand gestures. It doesn't require us to divorce ourselves from our lives. It doesn't require us to look for the nearest monastery. Mm -hmm. Having a passion for the sacred requires us to be here and to be awake and to be present in this moment. If we accept that the sacred can't belong, can't possibly belong to any special place, then we don't have to look very far for it. We don't have to look farther than where we are right now And sometimes we hear that and we say, well, this is impossible, I can't simply do that. You know, I have these things to work on, and I have my agendas, and you know, I've got these troubles in my life, and you know, maybe after I've dealt with all of that, then I can have these loftier visions, you know, or these higher aspirations. But to accept that sense of impossibility, to accept that sense of difficulty, as a barrier, is only a symptom of despair. It is true that to really be awake to that which is sacred, a great deal is asked of us. We need to be awake to the signs of separation. We need to be totally awake to the ways in which we live and see through eyes of prejudice and conflict, not to react to those signs but to know a great sense of patience and openness, to stay with those signs and to understand their effects. If we truly understand that prejudice and judgment and separation breeds pain and breeds conflict and breeds division, surely if we truly understand that, we also understand we don't have to follow those familiar pathways. We are not doomed to be prisoners, endless prisoners, of our own reactions and our own judgments. There is no life sentence. We can open to those signs. We can open to those signs of separation and question them. And we can begin to learn to let go. And surely letting go, being able to let go through love and through compassion and through wisdom, is the very first step to discovering the sacred that is before us. We see our own images and our own self-definitions arise. And we see boundaries and our edges arise. We see our obstacles. We can also learn to stop and to open. If we truly hold within our hearts a vision of our own possibilities, a vision of our own freedom, we have indeed the passion to stop and to question and to be able to let go. Each moment we do that, each moment we can truly stop, we see that the veils of separation begin to fall away. And it happens in this time and it happens in this place. We learn to seek the sacred with our whole being. Reverence for life and reverence for that which is sacred is not a result of some special spiritual attainment. Reverence for that which is sacred is born of a radical transformation in our consciousness where we clearly within ourselves no longer emphasize that which divides us, that which creates separation, but when we learn to honor and to cherish everything that brings us nearer to the heart of others, nearer to the essence of others. Reverence is treasuring oneness and attunement and connectedness above all else. And there is a place for reverence, in every contact and in every relationship, both outwardly and inwardly. Reverence for our bodies. The highest spiritual acts of our lives need our bodies to express them. Reverence for our feelings and our thoughts, our capacity to feel connects us to the world around us. Reverence for the fundamental dignity and life and spirit of all living beings. Reverence for our planet that supports us. There is a place for reverence in every single relationship, in every single perception and in every single contact. It is that reverence that allows us, truly enables us to live with integrity and with dignity. And it's that reverence that teaches us how to find stillness in the midst of movement. It's that reverence that teaches us how to find calm in the midst of chaos and how to find silence in the midst of noise. It's a reverence for life. It's a reverence for oneness. It is a reverence for dignity and for integrity. It's a reverence that allows us to seek and to see the sacred in each moment. We fail at times, we falter, we make, we find ourselves challenged. But in those moments, if we truly have that quality of reverence, they are not any more obstacles to overcome. But instead, those moments and those encounters teach us new ways to open. They teach us new depths of humility, they open us to new depths of compassion and of love. Letting go and honoring is the path to seeing the sacred in everything and everywhere. It is, at times, a difficult task, but we have within ourselves a great blessing. We have the blessing and the power of our own awareness. And it is the blessing of our own awareness that allows us to open, that allows us to see that allows us to give reverence, and that allows us to touch and to transform the world around us. We have the blessing of our own awareness. It allows us to understand our own pain, and in understanding our own pain, to understanding the pain in the whole universe. It's the blessing of our own awareness that allows us to feel. And in our own feelings, here echoed the feelings of every single living being in this universe. It's a blessing of our own awareness that allows us to respond and to touch and to heal fragmentation and no greater benediction. No greater blessing can ever come to us in our lives than our own capacity to be awake, our own capacity to be aware and to open Beginning to attend to the sacred in each moment, it doesn't mean that we won't encounter pain in our lives. But it does mean that we won't struggle. It does mean that we won't wage any wars with ourselves or with others. If we can attend to the sacred, we can also attend to pain. And seeing even in the midst of pain, possibilities of discovering serenity and creativity. And in the midst of the greatest chaos and discord in our lives, learning how to open that with a greatness of heart and a real depth of understanding. And in that opening and in that learning and in that awareness, we do understand That the sacred truly is in everything. That the sacred truly is everywhere. And it's only in every moment that we begin to really attend to it. May all beings live with vision. May all beings live with openness of heart. May all beings live with connectedness. You could sit for a few moments. This talk was given by Christina Feldman at Insight Meditation Society on March 21, 1990. It is an offering of the Dharma Seed o- Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.